sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Sensei. Get him a body bag, Johnny! Yeah! Podcast. I'm your host with the most, Mike Mac. Masunas, how's everybody doing today? I am doing great. First of all, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for downloading last episode posted, which was buried with special guest star Jason. Even though I had some major audio problems on that episode, it has officially become the number one downloaded episode. So again, thank you so much. Here's kind of what happened. We got together. I checked his mic, he checked my mic, everything sounded good, we ended the conversation, I went upstairs to take care of some, uh, you know, take care of my girls, I come downstairs, I start the editing process, and all of a sudden I start hearing my, my voice sounded like I was hitting the microphone with my fist or something, it was unbelievable, so needless to say, I thought I would check to see if Jason had a different copy that I could use because, you know, when you're recording, the other person's usually recording as a backup. But unfortunately, he got busy and I wasn't able to get a hold of him because normally I would have edited the episode and uploaded it that Friday night. But I waited until Sunday just to see if I could get his copy to make sure everything was fine. Well, needless to say, I uploaded the episode. You know, I warned everybody, hey, there was a connection problem. I'm sorry what happened. And then when I did hear back from him, uh, he said the same thing. We don't know what happened, but his recording also had me sounding horrible. And I think what happened is is I bought a desktop mic trying to be as convenient as possible, and that mic ended up sucking. So I took it back. I complained about it, and I ended up getting this one. So hopefully this one works out better going forward. Any, uh, any guest stars I have, we will not have that problem that happened on the last episode. So again, I do apologize. I promise you... I, I hope that that never happens again, and I will make sure that it doesn't. So, going forward, I after such a serious movie last time of Buried, I wanted to pick a movie that was totally cheesy. You know, grab your wine, guys. Time to pull out some cheese, because we are going to be talking Masters of the Universe. Not the cartoon, we're going to be talking the feature film. And, uh, man, this movie is total, total cheese. Uh, it's one of those so bad it's so good and uh, I will definitely get into that in a moment but before I do I want to talk not a lot just because I recently talked it on Friday and today's Wednesday but I have some new movie and music news that I want to get into so let's go ahead and get into that real quick Alright, so let's start off movie news with uh, Bruce Willis. So, I read today that Bruce Willis is now joining the cast of G.I. Joe 2. And I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Of course, in G.I. Joe 2, I got my boy Dwayne. You know Dwayne, my boy, my friend, Dwayne. Dwayne Johnson. Come on, guys, don't you know I'm friends with Dwayne Johnson. You know, we talk about it all the time over at Film and Focus. Me, Danny, Jason, we're all good buddies with Dwayne. Uh, If you don't know who that is, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson, just for you guys that don't know. Anyways, Bruce Willis is going to be joining the cast of G.I. Joe 2, and he is going to be playing the original Joe. So, pretty cool. I think it's just the producer's way of trying to get people to go watch the movie since most people hated the original. So, I thought that was pretty cool news. Other thing I read today, finally, Kevin Costner 
Superman, Man of Steel pictures were posted today. Go check those out at moviehole.net if you want to see what those look like. It looks pretty cool. The other thing I have is Resident Evil. Okay, so I know a lot of people don't like the Resident Evil movies, but if you happen to like those movies, the new one coming out is going to be Resident Evil Retribution. Still going to have Mila Jovovich in it. Paul Anderson is back. And basically, um, you know, it's going to be taking place, picks up right after where the, left, where the last one left off. So for anybody that does actually like those movies, that's some interesting tidbit for you that they are in fact going ahead with the sequel. Mila Jovovich is back. Everybody should be coming back that left off at the end of the movie. And the same director, Paul Anderson, is back as well. So, in music news, uh, I like Kid and Play. I enjoyed House Party a lot. It was a bunch of good times. I really enjoyed the music and stuff. Uh, Kid evidently got arrested today for a DUI. Do not drink and drive, people. Even when you are a celebrity, you are still going to get arrested. So, that's pretty much all I had this week in regards to movie and music news. Uh, kind of cool fact for me is... Uh, if you are a Skillet fan, yesterday I'm um, in the fan club, they call it Panheads, and I got to order tickets to the concert. And uh, even if you don't like Skillet, this is a pretty interesting story. Um, I ordered the tickets yesterday because at 3 o'clock is when the fan club put it on, up for sale where you click on the special link and you're supposed to be ordered tickets before they go on sale to the rest of the public, which happens on Friday. And I did my little reserve thing, and the most I'll let you do is four tickets. So I tried to trick the system. I tried to, like, delete one, add two more, that kind of thing. Nope, it was stuck on the four. So it had the four in place, which was, like, H4 through 7. I'm like, well, my wife's going, I'm going, my daughter's going, and my uh, nephew is going, but he wanted to bring his girlfriend. I'm like, man, I really need five tickets. So what my wife and me decided to do is we'll order the four tickets, and then we'll order two more that way, I have enough for my daughter to go. I mean, basically, no one has to stay home. And the next ticket, we'll just find somebody to go along with. Which, of course, my other niece is a diehard fan, and she was so excited, so she's going to go. Total price was 32 bucks a ticket. Now, keep in mind, which 32 bucks that's a really good price. I am going to sit dead center in 8th row. And I'm telling you guys, 8th row dead center. I mean, that's flipping good seats, don't you think? I really think it's good seats. I'm hoping it's good. Plus, Skillet has a gigantic stage. If you didn't know already, Skillet is a pyro band where all their songs, they have some effects going on with fire. So I'm going to be feeling that fire. I'm super, super excited. What's funny, though, is after, you know, I ordered my, my four set, so I immediately pull up a new session so I could order the other two tickets. Well, the funny thing is, is that my first set was in H. The next set that I could reserve was F. Now, doesn't F become before H? So the tickets I ordered second are actually better seats than the seats I ordered originally, which I thought was hilarious. Now, my wife and were saying, well, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, what happened to G? Did that road just miraculously disappear? So I called the, the theater today. They said, yeah, see, with that pre-sale, we only give them so much access. They don't have every single aisle available. So they were only able to do H and F in regards to front row. So I was like, interesting, interesting. Uh, that's, you know, so... Basically, the people I'm going with, they're going to have to sit a row in front of me. But what my wife and me were talking about, which we thought was kind of funny, is the people that sit in front of us, we're in H, and the people that are sitting in G, we're going to ask them, say, hey, those two people in F that are in front of you are actually part of our party. We would like to trade you tickets. I mean, what person is going to say, so you want to trade me from the row that I'm in, which is 7th, to 6th? Yeah, 
I will do that because I want them to sit with me. So I'm hoping that it all goes well and these people will say, yeah, sure, I will definitely switch. But if they don't, then hey, what are we going to do? We'll just you know deal with it. So I am super excited for that concert. And then I read on Facebook that my favorite band, Pillar, they were breaking up. I'm like, oh my gosh, talk about bittersweet. I get tickets to my second favorite band and then my first band is breaking up. But all they were saying is it's been 13 long years. We can't thank you guys enough. You know, it was a typical goodbye speech. But all they were saying is, is that they're taking a year off so they can spend time with their families and do the things that they've been wanting to do for a long time. Which I thought was totally awesome. So everything's good. My bands are together. I'm super happy camper. So that's it this uh, this week for movie and music news. Let's go ahead and get into the review of Masters of the Universe. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get out and brought to me. Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. Alright guys, I'll tell you, even that trailer is cheesy, but you know what, that's the whole point of this episode, is just to talk about this movie, because, alright, let's get some things clear here, I love He-Man, uh, Thundercats is always my cartoon, uh, Thundercats number one, He-Man number two, and then followed by that would probably be, I don't know, everything else, um, I had all the Thundercat toys, all the He-Man toys, in fact, I actually still have the full original collections. I even have Castle Grayskull. That thing's flipping huge. So anyways, uh, when the movie came out, you know, I saw it as a kid. I was like, wow, this movie, you know, I finally get to see He-Man on the big screen. First impressions when I saw it as a kid. I was like, uh, there's no Battle Cat. There's no Orko. Uh, where's Prince Adam? But hey, this looks like Star Wars. I really dig the look of He-Man. He hasn't said I have the power. Oh wait, he finally says it at the end. And I had a couple issues and then I'm like, wow, I laughed a lot. I really like Wildor. So that was my impressions as a kid. So going back and watching it now as an adult, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I just remember having good times with it. I probably saw it a couple years ago and remembered, yeah, this movie is in, to is in the it's so bad, it's so good category. But now watching it for this podcast and you know really paying attention and trying to enjoy myself I have a lot of things to say about this film first off let's talk about the blatant ripoffs of the movie number one we have the theme song which if you didn't know by hearing the theme song you heard it in the trailer but for those of you who have not heard the song in the trailer or have never heard this, I'm going to play you the theme song of the movie. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. But I want you to guess what theme song this reminds you of.
Alright, so, did you hear the song that I was thinking of? If you still can't figure it out, let me make it blatant obvious for you what song they're ripping off. Now, unless you've been living under a rock and you have no idea what song that is, that would be the Superman theme. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm complaining that they're ripping off the song. I actually like the fact they're ripping off the song. This movie is a big homage to a lot of different things. Now, I really, really dig the music in this film because the composer is none other than Bill Conti, one of my all-time favorite composers. If you don't know who that is, think the Karate Kid. Okay? Yes, that guy. That is the one that did the soundtrack to this film. Why in the fact did he steal the Superman theme song? I have no idea. But the music that came out of this film after that, I mean, I forgive him because it was flipping awesome. I'll play you some of the music I'm talking about. Most of the biggest thing I'm talking about, though, is the key. Which the key is basically I'll get into when you press the button, it lights up and plays this tone, which is an amazing song. I really, really enjoy the the, the music that comes out of this thing. Flipping awesome. What's a couple other things it rips off? Alright, I heard Knight Rider. You hear Knight Rider in one of the scenes with the car that Gwildor will eventually come up with. You can hear the special, the sound effects, which are the same ones used in Knight Rider. Of course, this thing rips off Star Wars. I mean, number one, the Skeletor's dudes, you know, his henchmen, whatever you want to call it, look just like stormtroopers in Star Wars. Am I complaining? No, I'm not complaining. They look awesome. They're full of black. They got this real shiny coat on them, but they look like stormtroopers. We get the nice lasers that look just like the lasers in Star Wars. Uh, did I mention the credits look exactly like the Superman credits? Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I think it's cool. But I got to point these things out. I mean, if I don't point these things out, you're going to yell at me later. Like, Mike, why didn't you point those out? That looks a total ripoff. Uh, let's talk about Dolph Lundgren, okay? Dolph Lundgren obviously plays He-Man. Dolph Lundgren is atrocious in this film. I mean, the acting is so bad. But at the same time, he's like the perfect He-Man. Um, okay, Dolph Lundgren obviously doesn't use his sword very often. When he does use his sword, he looks flipping awesome with it. He totally kicks ass, no doubt about it. But I'm just saying, when he talks, the dude, oh my gosh, it's so atrocious. I can't even begin to explain how bad he is. But at the same time, he's like the perfect He-Man who, you know, I don't know anybody else that could have played He-Man at this point in time. Nowadays, I mean, if they were to remake this movie, they would go all out, make it as serious, as cool as possible. Um... You know, the girl that plays Tila, she's pretty cool. Um, she actually is played by uh, Chelsea Field. And I know her from The Last Boy Scout, which is one of my all-time favorite Bruce Willis films. Uh, Frank Langella plays an excellent Skeletor. Let's talk about Skeletor. Skeletor looks amazing, okay? Skeletor's face looks awesome. He, when he comes walking in, you're thinking Darth Vader right off the bat. But he makes Darth Vader look like a, a wimp. I mean, Skeletor looks amazing. Just, you should watch the movie just to see what he looks like. Uh, Frank Langella, the only other I've, I know of him, I haven't seen him in a lot of different things. The last movie I saw him in was Superman Returns. He played Perry White. Um, let's talk about Meg Foster. Now, Meg Foster plays Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn, if you don't know, is kind of the you know Skeletor's woman or the person below Skeletor. Uh, they did keep that. She looks cool. Her eyes are always freaky. Think best of the best, too. If you've ever seen that, she plays Eric Roberts' girlfriend. She looks freaky in that movie, and she looks freaky in this movie. It's just the way her eyes are made. She's also in John Carpenter's They Live. Uh, she looks awesome as Evelyn. She does a very good job as Evelyn. Um, let's talk about Courtney Cox. This is Courtney Cox's first film. She plays Julie. Now, just so you know, He-Man takes place on Eternia in the very beginning of the film. Basically, it's, it, it starts off showing you that Skeletor has seized control over Castle Grayskull. 
And the way he's able to do that is, is he has this key. It's what they call a cosmic key. And it helps to, I don't know if you want to call it time travel, but it's you can travel anywhere you want in the, in the galaxy. And that's how he was able to get basically get into Castle Grayskull is he uses his key and takes everybody by surprise, him and his henchmen. And the beginning of the film looks great. The special effects look great. When you first see He-Man, he's got like this red cape on him, looking cool. Skeletor's got this real cool holog holog holograph looking thing where you see like his face and then his body. It's like this really cool three-dimensional look. He looks amazing. We see Man in Arms, which Man of Arms is played by John Cipher. I'm not really familiar with too much of his movies, but he was really, really good as Man in Arms. Really believed him. Obviously, I mentioned Tila, and you know, if you know the cartoon, you know that those two are pretty much the best, the buds of He-Man. They're kind of like his servants, so to speak, but not really his servants. You know, it's like, you know, He-Man's a general, and those are the guys below him, kind of thing. The character introduced in the film is Gwildor, played by Billy Bartley. Now, if you don't know who Billy Bartley is, he is basically, think Willow, you know, he's he's a very small actor. So, think Willow, think UHF, think Legend, that's the actor that plays Gwildor. Now, Gwildor, he's kind of a mix between a very big gizmo kind of thing and an Ewok. Very cool looking absolutely hilarious character. I mean, he's definitely the comic relief of the film. He's the inventor of the Cosmic Key. And when He-Man and Man-at-Arms and Tila find Gwildor, that's when Gwildor says, you know, I can help you get into the castle because Skeletor has basically captured the, uh, the sorceress. And Gwildor says, look, I have the original key we can use it to get in the Castle Grayskull, and you know that's kind of what sets up the big, the big action scene that we're going to get next. And they do get into Castle Grayskull, and Castle Grayskull looks amazing. I mean, we're talking Marble City here; looks great. Here's kind of the thing I think they did with this film. They said, "This is the amount of money you have. You can use this much to make it in Eternia." They ran out of money. And said, oh, we have to film everything else in Earth because we just can't afford to make the rest of this movie in Eternia. And that's what I think honestly happened. And you know what? A lot of people don't like the fact that this takes place on Earth. I actually dig it. It's kind of like Star Wars comes to Earth is what this film is. Like I said, this movie is like an homage to like all those movies out there like Superman and Star Wars like I was saying. It's a ridiculous, crazy, bad movie. It's excellent. It's, you know, I love the movies that are so bad, they're so good. And this is a movie that's not trying to be bad. It just is bad based on what you're watching. You know, you're watching Dolph Lundgren, who's, like I said, he's atrocious. And I normally can dig Dolph Lundgren, you know, Expendables, you know, Showdown in Little Tokyo. I, I can usually dig Dolph Lundgren, but when I just look at him, I'm just like, ugh, can't stand whenever he talks. It's like, shut up. Be He-Man, look cool, beat people up, you look awesome. So anyways, the reason why they go to Earth is is that uh, they open up, you know, they're getting shot at and they're, they just know, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of Skeletor's dudes just shooting at them. They know they have don't have a chance, so they got to open up a key. They got to go somewhere. So Gildor types in crap and the Cosmic Key opens the portal to Earth. And of course, by doing that, the Cosmic Key gets lost. And... They are searching for it because they have no idea where it landed. And where it lands is our two human characters, which uh, we have Julie, which is played by Courtney Cox. And think young Courtney Cox here. Like I said, first movie, very, very, you know, she's definitely the heart of the film. I really enjoy Courtney Cox's performance. She is awesome. Now, her boyfriend is, is Kevin. And he's played by Robert Duncan McNeil. I don't know any other movie he's been in. He kind of is a mix between Andrew McCarthy and um, Judd Nelson, kind of. He's really cool, really believable. He's got he has this one annoying line. He always says, "Look, all right." You know, he always says, "All right." You know, anytime he has a line, he always says, "All right." It's bad, but it's absolutely hilarious at the same time. 
and you find out that Julie's parents died in a plane crash. And the reason they died in a plane crash is, is that they were all going to go out, and she wanted to be with Kevin. They took a plane. They crashed. She feels guilty. She just wants to leave, and she's about ready to say bye to Kevin, and that's when they come across the Cosmic Key. Now, Skeletor's dudes, if put a search on it where if the cosmic key is activated they can pinpoint it and you know they're like dude that could be anywhere man galaxy upon galaxy but Skeletor's like just do it you know Skeletor you don't want to mess with that guy alright and when Kevin activates the key that's when Skeletor gets a lock on it and sends his dudes to go after the key and some real good funny stuff uh, will come up next, which I'm going to play you this one clip, which every time I hear it, I die laughing. But before that happens, before I play the clip, uh, I just want to set this up. The guys that Skeletor sends is Beastman, which love Beastman from the cartoon. And this guy looks like a humongous werewolf. You know, think Arnold, you know, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but just think of a bodybuilder as a werewolf. That's what Beastman looks like. Then we get Blade. And no, I'm not talking the Marvel Blade. We get some white dude with a shaved head with a patch over his eye. Looks really cool. Is he in the cartoon? He is not in the cartoon. Then we get Sarad, which... I don't know. Look, think Predator. I mean, the movie rips off Predator the way he looks and everything. Uh, they all the costumes look amazing in this film. Like I said, they spent the money on the way building the attorney is set, the costumes, the special effects. They ran out of money. I mean, they only had 22 million bucks, and back then that wasn't a lot. Unfortunately, the movie only made like 17 million, so it was definitely considered a total loss. But the bad guys look awesome, no doubt about it. So they are sent to go after the key. They come in contact with uh, where where Kevin and Julie are at, which they're at the high school. You know, he wants to do a sound check. He's a musician. Uh, he thinks he's a bad musician. He's a keyboard player, and he wants to do a sound check real quick before he takes Julie to her. You know, to say goodbye. And he's like, you know what? This thing's so cool. I want to show my friend Charlie. I'll be back in like ten minutes. And of course, doing that, that's when the dudes show up at the high school. And they take out the janitor. And I'll tell you, they Beastman beats the crap out of him. He almost kills the guy. Uh, absolutely amazing scene. And and you Julie will then come in contact with these guys, start screaming. She gets out barely. And that's when He-Man hears the screams, comes in, and whoops the major butt. Now one thing Julie does is she throws um, she throws ammonia in Beastman's face. Burns space like halfway up. He looks like a a, a two face, you know, from Dark Knight, as a werewolf. I mean, that's that's how he looks. It looks really really cool. Love the special effects there. Good times. So the scene that I want to play for you real quick is the scene of the guy that gets beat up. Uh, he, as I said, he's the janitor there. The line that he says to Kevin when Kevin, you know, the basically the school catches on fire because um, of, of everything going on, um, it catches on fire, and he thinks that Julie is in the school and she burnt up uh, because at being at Charlie's place, which he owns like this music shop, he, you know, they see all the cars and the sirens and the police, they all fly by his stories like, we gotta see what's up, they turn on the radio, and that's when they hear there's fire at the school where Julie's at. And that's why Kevin then leaves his friend, grabs the key, and takes off to go, to go see Julie. But anyways, this guy comes out, and he, he, Kevin asks him, what happened? And this line is absolutely hilarious. And the reason why it's hilarious, it's the way he says it. Ever since I've been a kid, I've died laughing just the way he says it. And you gotta hear. I know you'll probably think it's stupid, but I'm just gonna play it for you real quick because it's absolutely hilarious. Carl, Carl, what happened? You don't never want to know. I don't know why, guys, but every single time I ever hear him say that, I just bust up laughing. It's absolutely hilarious. I know it's the most trivial thing, but just the way he says it and the way he looks is absolutely hilarious. So, basically, uh, as you can tell, you know, Janitor's name was Carl. But, this is the point where we meet, I like to call the one-line man, just like we had in Vinny. Uh, but, you guys are going to know this guy. We have Lubick. And Lubick is played by James Tolkien. Now, 
Simplest way I could put this, Back to the Future Mr. Strickland. That's all I need to say. That's who's in this film. He is the cop, the Mr. One-Liner, the Mr. Smart Guy. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, basically, he's the one investigating the fire, and he starts... Uh, Kevin starts yelling at Lubick saying, why don't you go try to find her, you know, and stop writing everything down. And that's when he gets mad and he throws him in the back of his car and Kevin takes him to Julie's house because that's where he thinks he is. So this is where Lubick thinks that Kevin has what Kevin is calling a synthesizer because he doesn't really want to tell him what it is. And I'm going to go ahead and play you the clip where I was talking about Bill Connie's music, how excellent it is anytime you press the key, this is the tone that it makes. And this sound is very important, and it's going to come into play later on in the film. But I'll play this clip real quick, just so that way you can hear what I'm talking about, how excellent the music is. You want to see what that thing does? Press the red button down at the bottom. What, this one's... Oh! All right, so needless to say, that's the song that's going to come into play. Um, you know, that's the main song of the film. The score, as I said, is really, really good. But uh, that's the, the tone that you hear every single time you first turn it on. And so after Lubick hears this, he sees everything, can it kind of get him freaked out, basically says he's going to take it, make sure it's not stolen, and he'll give it back to Kevin. So immediately after Lubick takes the key, that's when Beastman and the other guys break in into her house and they try to get Kevin to tell them where the key is. Because the reason why they're there is, of course, Evil Inn. Puts a little track thing on it once it's activated, just like they did on, um, just like they did on Eternia, and of course they find the good thing is is Lubick actually took the cosmic key, so Kevin didn't have it when those guys showed up. And what they do is they put this really cool collar around Kevin's neck, and uh, it's basically a, you can call it a truth serum if you want to, but that's what it does. It makes you tell the truth once they put that around your neck. So really cool scene, and of course, after they tear up the place and they realize they find a picture of Julie, that's when Evil Lynn and the guys they take off. And Julie, He Man, Man in Arms, Tila, they show up and they get the thing off of Kevin. Kevin freaks out. Gwildor obviously comes crashing in, wearing some funny disguise, you know, kinda like Hawaiian shirts and uh, Kevin and Gwildor have a very interesting relationship, but that's when they know to go down to Charlie's because they figured that the policeman went down to Charlie's to talk to him about the key. And that's where we get a big, big action scene. Basically, He-Man, you know, they all show up at Charlie's, um, Charlie's store, and then the bad guys show up. And we get a big epic battle where they just totally destroy the store. Really cool. Um, lots of good comedy between Lubrick, uh, Lubick and Gwildor and, and Kevin. The coolest scene of, that happens though is Evil Lynn actually takes the form of Julie's mom. Of course you don't know it at the time. But Julie thinks that she's seen her real mom and she's basically pretending to say that she's an angel and we really need that that light thing because we need it for our work that's when julie grabs the key and gives it to evil lynn and evil lynn then turns into herself julie freaks out they take off bad guys basically win this because at this point skeletor is pissed and says you know what you guys screwed up the first time you didn't get the key i'm coming there myself and when Skeletor shows up and all of his goons show up, that's when He-Man rolls in action and uh, starts to kick some butt. He-Man gets on this like hoverboard type of thing, and the oh man, it's bad at real bad. The special effects. I mean, Dolph Lundgren looks really cool on it, but the black screen or blue screen, whatever you want to call it, whatever kind of screen they use, 
looks god awful. I mean, you could totally tell. It's like one of those things where you're watching a TV show and someone's in a car driving, and you could totally see in the background it's just like a little film strip. That's kind of how it looked when Dolph Lundgren was on these like hoverboard type of things to take out dudes. I mean, it looked really, really atrocious. But what are you going to do, right? Like I said, it's one of those movies that it's so bad, it's so good. So needless to say, once He-Man, you're thinking he's going to win, he's taking out all the dudes, and that's when Skeletor basically tells him that if he does not surrender and come back with him to Eternia and be a slave, he is going to kill everybody, all of his friends, Tila, Man-in-Arms, Kevin, Julie, Gwildor, everything. And He-Man being the, you know, the great human that he is, says, you know what, I will definitely do it. You let them go, and I will be your slave. And needless to say, that's when He-Man goes back to Eternia with them. Now, before this happens, Skeletor does something real nasty. He throws this electricity at Julie's leg. And what he does is he puts like this poison in her. It's like this real nasty, round, brown, mucus, disgusting looking thing. Oh man, that special effect. That was flipping awesome. And basically they're all stuck there. The reason why they're stuck there is is that even though Gwildor has the key, the keys are all messed up from you know people playing around with it, being in the battle. It's just completely jacked up. And they know... You know, Gwildor's like, dude, there ain't no way that we're getting home. And Kevin's like, why is that? He goes, well, you know, it had its own special tone. You know, and that's when he starts explaining that music is all part of the galaxy. And when Kevin tells him, I think I know how it goes. And, of course, he wants to whistle it, but the place that they're at, there's this speaker that's playing music. And Tila shoots the speaker, which is flipping hilarious. And when he starts to whistle it, that's when Gwildor's like, yeah, that's it, which is the tone that, you know, the sound clip I just played you a little bit ago. That's basically playing that tone is going to get them home. And you're wondering, well, how is they gonna, how are they going to do that? Well, they're able to do that because Gwildor needs three things. Two things I've never even heard of on planet Earth, which obviously they made up for the film, which so happens Tila has and Man-Arm has. The other thing they need is what we would call a keyboard. Really, really cool scene. And as they're getting it all together, ready to go, and keep in mind, Julie, due to this infection she has in her leg, if they don't get to Eternia and the sorceress heals her, Julie will die. Because, obviously, they're not from Earth, so whatever poison they put in you, obviously we would not have a remedy, you know, a cure for that. So, obviously, Kevin and Julie have to go to Eternia, with everybody else. Well, the funny part is, is Lubrick actually shows up to try to take him out with his gun, and he in turn goes to Eternia with all of them after the, uh, you know, after Kevin puts in the tones. Which putting in the tones takes them to Eternia, and we get to the climax of the film where He-Man. By the way, He-Man's being tortured at this point. He's being hit with this whip looking you know it's a laser whip real cool looking special effect again they're on Eternia so anything on Eternia looks awesome that's where they spent most of the money at but He-Man's able to break free and finally when he gets to his sword because Skeletor obviously has his sword he has it locked up once He-Man gets his sword we finally hear after like an hour and ten minutes I have the power you know the famous thing that when He-Man when his Prince Adam would say I have the power that's when he would turn into He-Man throw his sword at Cringer, and Cringer becomes Battle Cat. Obviously, we don't have Battle Cat. Obviously, we don't have Prince Adam. We get the next best thing, where Dolph Lundgren picks up the sword and says, I, you know, I have the power. So, this is where we get the epic battle between He-Man and Skeletor. Now, Skeletor is basically, at this point, open up an eye that makes him, I don't know what, what the hell happened, but he basically turns into this gold-looking... He almost looks like Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat, but as Skeletor. The gold looks amazing, looks really cool. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but it just did. He did some spell or some crap, I don't know. I, it It's all kind of fuzzy, the plot in that aspect. But um, anyways, 
He-Man Skeletor, they go at it, they battle, real cool. And obviously Skeletor, he loses. He basically falls down this pit. Think Emperor and Return of the Jedi, where, you know, Darth Vader picked up the Emperor, threw him down that little cavern, black hole type of thing. Same effect, but look worse. Skeletor is going in slow motion. The screen looks horrible. Uh, but anyways, it, it's good. It's good cheesy fun. And of course, they all, you know, He-Man's all nasty looking. He's all got blood, and scratches on his face, and he's all sweaty. And uh, they're all like victory, victory. And Dolph Lundgren's like victory. I mean, again, acting's atrocious, but. You know, it's funny. The next scene, they're all cleaned up. I mean, He-Man is real cleaned up. The dude looks like he took a shower. He got his blood all gone. He looks like nothing ever happened to him. And that's when the sorceress is back to normal. Because what happened is with Skeletor taking over Castle Grayskull, the sorceress started to, to wither away. And she got real old and crusty looking. And her face looked like it was going to fall off. So she was back to normal. And uh, obviously they heal Julie, you know, a sorcerer did. And the sorceress gives Julie this little blue, I think the My Science Project looking thing, but it's a real tiny looking ball that just fits in your hand. Real cool looking thing. I mean, you could probably pick up one at Spencer's or something like that. And uh, it's their way back home. And of course everybody says their goodbye. Now Lubick actually stays back because he's like, I got a castle, I got a girl, you know, my life's good. Well, just as they're about ready to go back to Earth, Julie starts screaming, Wait, wait, take me back to when my parents were still, you know, still alive. She wakes up, house looks good. Because keep in mind, remember when, you know, the guys uh, found Kevin, they destroyed Julie's house. Her house is back to normal, everything looks good. She wakes up, her parents are alive, tells them how much she loves them, and begs them not to go on the plane. They don't want to listen. She grabs her keys, runs out. Absolutely hilarious. You know, of course, her parents are going to kill her later. And sees Kevin, they look, and they're like, it, it was true, it really happened. And they look in the little thing, and that's when Dolph Lundgren, this time, just like the cartoon, is in front of Castle Grayskull and says, I have the power. Flippin' awesome. I mean, that's total the cartoon right there. It was so flippin' awesome. And then, of course, after the credits, Skeletor's head pops out of this, like, pink liquid bottom. It says, I'll be back. Which, you know, obviously they weren't back. They kind of thought there was going to be a sequel. The funny thing with the sequel, I mean, there would have been a sequel had this thing made money, but uh, because it didn't, what happened is is that um, they Canon, you know, the idea was abandoned when Canon wouldn't pay for Mattel's fees because Mattel obviously owns He-Man, and the production used the already made costumes and the sets, and what they did is they used it for Cyborg. Now, if you don't know what Cyborg is, Cyborg is a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It was actually a second movie. He made Bloodsport. Right after that, he made Cyborg. And it, a lot of people actually consider Cyborg like Masters of the Universe 2. So, you know, it's it's pretty cool. At least they were able to use that stuff. Now, they are talking about, you know, rebooting it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I hope it happens because this movie, as I said, is real, is real cheesy. Um, and I really think a remake would be would be excellent because I mean I can't imagine who would play He-Man, but whoever they get would obviously they would want to get a good actor, someone that can pull off your lines and your action and everything else. And I think they'll pull more from the cartoon. And now that they'll have money, I think they'll base all of it on Eternia, which would be so awesome if they can make. Castle Grayskull look as good as they did in this movie, I think it would be an excellent remake. So I am actually looking forward. I really hope they make a remake to this. I think it would be excellent. So that's pretty much my review of Masters of the Universe. Now I'm going to give this thing two scores. Uh, if you have never seen this film ever, you know, let's just say you never watched the trailers or you never even knew it was a cartoon. You just like, you looked at the cover, you thought it was cool and you popped in and watched it two stars no way would it be any better than two stars maybe even a star and a half okay now if you're you know a fanboy you absolutely love the cartoon you think the cartoon is excellent you watch the film probably the highest score you would give it is like two and a half three stars 
Now, if you're with your buddies and you guys are, you know, hanging out and you just want to stick a movie in and start laughing, having a good time, maybe make fun of it, you know, the typical, it's so bad, it's so good, you know, because the acting's so atrocious in certain parts, then it would easily be like a, a three and a half star movie. So I guess it's three scores, but all in all average, I would say, eh, for me, it's three stars. I wouldn't give it anything more than three stars. I really did have a good time watching it. Um, I, there's a lot of things I really did enjoy. Um, but, I mean, it definitely doesn't hold up to time. But it is a very, very fun movie. So, you know, three stars. Three stars is good. It's above average. It definitely, you know, to me the movie doesn't suck. You know, I've seen way worse than that. Uh, but at the same time, it's definitely a movie I wouldn't watch more than once a year. I mean, if anything, I probably would watch it once every two years. You know, that kind of thing. I showed it to my kids. She thought Skeletor was really, really cool. But even halfway through the film, she got up and walked away. Really wasn't interested. So my rating on the film is three stars. But otherwise, you know, good times. Now, um, before I get into the Spotlight song, I did actually get an email because I announced that I was going to be reviewing this film. And my email comes from my good friend John. And here is what John from Philly had to say. He goes, Hello, sir. Just wanted to comment as I see you are recording Masters of the Universe. As a kid, I had the toys and Castle Grayskull, of course. Dude, wasn't Castle Grayskull amazing? Uh, I'll tell you, Castle Grayskull was awesome. You'd open it up. You'd only get like, uh, you know, you'd, the front of it looked cool. You know, you had the little uh, front would open up. But on like the inside, there'd be like this little trap door. If you would sit on the throne and you turn it to the left, then whoever was on the trap door would fall to the bottom. Flipping them, uh, Castle Grayskull is flipping amazing. I love that toy. And he says this movie I wanted to see at the time, but couldn't because of the rating in the movie. Um, I'm I'm assuming I think the movie's rated PG-13, so that's probably why he wasn't able to watch it. I finally saw it on cable years later and just couldn't believe I was so disappointed. And you know, sir, I could totally understand why you would be disappointed. Like I said, you know, I know people that absolutely are diehard fans and can't stand this movie because, you know, there's no Battle Cat, there's no Orko, there's no, I mean, there's no Ram Man. I mean, they could have easily pulled some of those villains and put them in this film, but, you know, I'm not sure if they were trying to go for a realistic point of view or what. But, you know, it is what it is. So, now, as I have watched this other times, I enjoy it for the cheese factor. Again, sir, I agree with you. Like I said, pull out your wine and let's have some cheese because that's what this movie is. It's a cheese fest. I so hope this, I so hope one day they remake it and have it the He-Man world and not ours. Again, fully agree, sir. As I was saying before, I would so want to see it on Eternia. I think it would totally, totally rock. Sincerely, John from Philly. So thank you, sir. Highly appreciate your email as always. Always good times to hear from you. And, you know, you pretty much said all the points that I commented on already. So um, excellent, excellent email there, sir. Now, let's get into the music spotlight. Now, the, this song that I'm going to play for you is uh, is kind of important to me. Um, this goes out to anybody who is in a bad relationship. And I'm not talking a relationship like boyfriend-girlfriend kind of relationship. I'm talking about the poison kind of relationship. You know, where you have someone in your life who, um, whether, you know, some people, uh, they get manipulated easily or, you know, you have someone that you think is super great in your life and as you get to know them more and more, they start bringing you down and down. Sometimes you just don't know how to get rid of that person. You know, they cause you more pain and suffering as the days go on. That's what this song is about. It's for all those people that are poisoned that you just need to get rid of out of your life. Because if you don't, you're going to end up dead. And not necessarily dead in the physical sense. But just dead, whether it be emotionally, spiritually, whatever you want to call it. There's just those people that you don't know how to get rid of them. But eventually things will work out and you will. And the most important thing is to not blame yourself. And to realize that all the stupid things they say, all the stupid things they do, it's them. It's not you. And the name of this song is called It's Not Me, It's You. 
And uh, it's a brand new single that just got released to radio. It's absolutely awesome. And um, please, please check this song out. It is absolutely amazing. Again, it's called It's Not Me, It's You. Listen to this song, you know. And if you're having a hard time out there, especially with someone in your life that is just, I call it poison. You know, they're just, you need to get rid of them. Do it. Get the strength to do it because if you don't, you're going to pay for it later. And uh, this is dedicated to you guys. And it's, uh, again, this is Masunas out. The song's called It's Not Me, It's You from Skillet. Here you go, Masunas out. I will talk to you guys next week. See you later. Same fight with